program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views expressed are those of the panelists and not necessarily those of Sengents, Glamour Connection, Van Garrett Media, their respective management, contractors, or employees. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. Welcome to the Share Your Hotness Podcast. Share your hotness. Now, here's your host, Lita Green. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest, Jason Hewlett. Now, Jason is amazing, and he's sitting here laughing at me, but... For some of you who've heard me speak about speaking, Jason is the one that he didn't launch me. That's not how the speaking world works. You don't like, here's all your gigs and here's your business. You have to go earn it yourself, you know? But he um, he, he spoke and I felt really bad for him because everybody <laughs> knew who he was. And I thought, what a, what a terrible thing to have people like know you and then like kiss up to you because you're Jason Hewlett. And his wife's amazing and gracious and Martha Stewart without prison issues. (laughs) (laughs) And he even wrote a viral post about seeing this really hot woman at Target only to find out that fortunately it was his wife. (laughs) And he's just, he's all, he's just a wonderful man. I live like across the street and down the way, but I can see his house and he can see my house. And he is truly the man that he professes to be on the stage. So if you're thinking I'm fangirling a little bit, it's because I respect people who are who they say they are. But I went over to Jason's house when God was first telling me to be a speaker, knowing that Jason would say, no, 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 you, you sell makeup. You're a makeup artist. Stay in your lane, chicky babe. And I told him, and we had this conversation. You leaned back in your chair, and you were listening to me very sweetly and nicely. And I knew if Jason told me that this was stupid, that I could go, see, it's stupid. God, see, you don't know what you're talking about. Jason does. But (laughs) (laughs) but, um, Jason tapped me right on the top of my neck clavicle is that what you call the clavicle clavicle area i, I want to say like the chest because that that's in front of her husband and my in front wife of his, well. right but just like you know on that little <laughs> little and he's like if god has put it in you how dare you not and i was like crap hmm. i have to do it because again my husband was there and it was confirming what god was saying to me so to me jason is a man who is a man of god a man of family he's a loyal spouse and he's been a dear friend to our family and we hope to be a good friend to his family so outside of what he does professionally he's one of those people that you're like he's awesome so that's Jeez. my that's, there's my obituary <laughs> perfectly yeah especially since he for the future you just had a really bad knee injury yeah i have a knee injury we're recording this so I could show people. No, because they, they don't get oh, to see it all. They don't see it. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. It. So my leg's broken, but it's getting better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> broke on the basketball court. Yeah. But he uh, still went on the road. He speaks about having the promise you keep to yourself and your signature moves. And if the promises you keep to yourself extend out. So he's still living what he preaches, which is why I respect him. Because a lot of people preach stuff, but they don't live it. You know what I mean? Anyway, he uh, still went on the road 
like in recovery with the little <laughs> on your knee that you have. Oh yeah, the leg immobilizer. The leg immobilizer. He's Couldn't like, bend it for two months almost. And that yet, was horrible on doing gigs like that. <laughs> and now I have a hinge brace. The hinge gives you some bend, and I'm so grateful for the bend. Now I can shove my leg under an airplane seat. <laughs> you know because your brother was driving you to your he drove gigs. me yeah he drove me to the first month of gigs and that was crazy yeah and now i can drive myself i just drove to vegas the other day from salt lake uh-huh city and that's a long drive as you know but i had to stop every hour to to stretch ah uh, yeah do your physical therapy for it physical therapy you know about that because yeah. you've had some challenges too <laughs> and so I've never been through this process, Lita. So it's really sweet because you know what Jason just did. So all you guys listening, we're talking <laughs> about him and he always does this. He's an active listener that always brings everyone in the conversation, not just on a podcast, but when he presents, I've seen him have conversations with my kid, does the same thing. It's a really good skill. I don't even know what I just did. We're talking about like you compliment Jason on social media and he will be like, oh no, but you. You're so amazing. Oh, and sometimes I'm like, I want to say something nice. And I'm just like, but Jason, don't say, I'm just giving you a compliment. And I'm confident enough in myself that you don't have to give me a compliment, but I respect him so much. So I love the compliments, but uh, yeah, I've had me, um, I did not have my kneecap come up into my thigh. That's a rare thing. Yeah. But I did have, um, knee surgery, but I was 20. Oh, so it was a little bit. It was a while ago. Yeah. You know, you recover pretty fast. And even though I'm older than you. Well, you that's know? amazing. You did have that and you're fine now. With yeah. The, the PT, the physical therapy is everything. Yeah. The hip is a little poopy. I can't believe what you've gone through. The, the physical therapy. What really is inspiring about all that you've been through is that you're still happy. No, I mean, really, like that, that's what, ma- yeah. that's what makes me go, oh, because I've never had surgery. I've never had a major injury. Knowing your husband, what he's been through, knowing what you've been through, and that you're still happy, faithful, lo- God-loving people. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people that go through this and they leave God or they say, he's not with me anymore I'm and abandon him. Yeah. Other people come closer. And so I've been kind of in this jail cell of having a leg injury, but I, I say, is this going to make me better or bitter? Yep. Yep. That's the big question with every challenge in life, right? That's right. And I think a lot of it goes back to the premise yeah. of what it is you think the role of God is. Oh yeah. Right? right. If you think God's some kind of magic wish granter who's supposed to have nothing bad ever let happen to us. Right. Or if you actually believe heaven's something worth aspiring to. Right. That means life is going to be hard. Yes. And, um, you know, I think we all can fall in the trap of thinking, oh, if I'm a good person, then bad things won't happen to me. And I think, no, if you're trying to do good things in the world, there will be more opposition. There Uh, will be more, you know, professionally, people won't like it. You know, if you want to go there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, having your kids be like, no, we're going to have family time. We're going to focus on this. Your kids are going to be like, that's where, what, you know, their peers are going to be like, that's so weird. Your family, like, what do you mean? Why are they hanging out together? And, you know, I have had people who um, give me crap that I will discuss financial matters with my spouse. They're like, aren't you an empowered woman? I'm like, yeah. And I'm happily married and will remain happily married because we 
have mutual respect and discuss things. So I think whenever you're trying to do something that might be um, different or of a spiritual nature, you're going to have people who are going to be like, well, that's really restrictive of you. Interesting. Fascinating. And it's a shame because God, I, I feel that this was a divine kick to the knee to slow me down <laughs> and to slow me down in the right way, mm-hmm. not to like, not to like, uh, you know, kind of impede my progress, but rather to give me a new basis on which to build, to now have more of a empathy towards the suffering you've been through. Well, thank you. But I, you know, I haven't had it the worst. But that's what you I know? mean. Like, you're, see, I'm all embarrassed. I'm you're so funny. No, but honestly, <laughs> you've had it. You've had your thing. Now I've had mine, and I'm looking at it like, well, now I can understand more of what you've gone through, and it it's helpful to me because now I can connect to way more people. Whereas before, I'd hear, "Oh, you're having surgery. Well, that's too bad." Oh. And that's that's too bad. I, well, good. Luck. I bet you're gonna write a book while you're laying there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like that's what I used to think, Rita. I didn't know you were gonna lay there and be like, all I can do is look at the ceiling fan and breathe know, and try to breathe. Like I literally yeah. thought that. Like, oh, surgery, nice break from life. Now you're gonna learn a language. Yeah, they're gonna give you a pain medication. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> and then I'm on pain medication. I'm like, what's happening to me? So like, I've learned a whole new aspect of love and of why it's difficult to suffer and why it's important to understand it and this never would have happened otherwise so i'm grateful for this wacky injury yeah well again you're you're basing your life off an awesome premise of that there is meaning and purpose in the hard things that happen if nothing but just to make me better way better to get through this life and have a few scars to show for it well that's impressive you have some good scars (laughs) that's right so I never really had any scars, Lita. I mean, maybe inside, but none that anyone could see. Now they can look at my knee. <laughs> I call it now my knee note speech. No, your key, your knee note, <laughs> yeah. knee notes, yeah. keynote speech for those of you who aren't speakers, you know. Yeah. There's the trainer, the keynoters. That's what know, we do. We the do back keynotes. room workshoppers. That's that's that's, that's legit. typically where where they put me. They put Jason. I'm like, it says keynote, but they'll be like, oh, we got we got someone who's four times more expensive than you so um clearly they're better (laughs) whatever not true no it it is true you you know it's it's funny because i think a lot of people do want to be seen with and speaking seems like a great way to be seen but really it's when done properly it's being the servant it is being the you know you put what's what's going on for you like a knee Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, mutual friend, Dan Clark talked about his dad dying yeah. and having to go get up on the platform because that's what you were contracted to do. And right you after know, the phone call from his brother, dad's dead. Oh man. What? Please welcome Dan Clark, <laughs> the speaker to motivate and make us laugh. That's a big promise. And Dan's a great example. And, and so are you. And and so are so many people that are our peers. And, and you know, I think uh, I've been saying this lately. That's kind of an interesting thought. I make a living as a speaker, but I make a life as a listener. Mm. And if I'm willing to listen to the messages that I'm learning yeah, and listen to what God has to tell me, then maybe I can be a better messenger. See why I love Jason so much? 
I have a, a mantra that I say before or a prayer that I say before I get up to speak mm-hmm. that says um, that you have to have enough confidence to get up there and enough humility to know it's not about you. Yeah, perfect. You know, that's it. So um, you got to, you know, keep it real and realize it's for your audience and that there's pain out there that you don't know and you don't want to trigger it. Mm-hmm. You You want to. You know, every word you say, every joke you tell, you know, has to have a purpose and a meaning behind it so that it's lifting people and encouraging them to their best self. Yeah. For years, I did a Michael Jackson impression. And just that name can trigger somebody. Mm. It's a sad thing. Yeah. You know, whether accused or not or whatever happened, we don't know exactly. But I know that as an entertainer, people wanted to see me do the moonwalk and nail the impression. But then as a speaker, if I'm triggering somebody's perhaps negative feeling of what happened in their past, I don't want to go there. So I had to scrap the whole Michael Jackson piece that I worked so hard. I kind of struggle with that, Jason, because everything is so triggering. I know. You know, and um, it's like, okay, stop already with putting all of your responsibility for your emotional well-being in the hands of someone else. Now, as a speaker, couldn't you just say something like, let's have a a moment for those that have had to endure this, but let's look at the artistry, and that was fun. Potentially, yeah, but um, I felt that there was a need to pull it uh, out of the entire opportunity on stage, because there are other ways to illustrate the point. The problem is, is your Michael Jackson impression is so stinking good. As (laughs) someone who has gone through being a, a... you know, I mean, I, my second book is on this of overcoming sexual abuse and having gone through that. Yeah. Um, if I went around being triggered by every mention of that, I would be, you know, in You'd the fetal ruined. position. Yeah. And we have to stop giving the power of our happiness into other people's hands. Mm-hmm. I, I agree a hundred percent. And equally, I espouse that as a speaker, I need to continually self-evaluate what needs to be said for the people rather than what I feel, you know, I'd like to do for me. Well, Jason is, you are, I think you push yourself to a level. One of the things that always amazed me and to explain to our audience that as somebody asked you one time, how many times have you practiced putting on that coat? Because he, he transfers from different <laughs> characters Oh yeah, and you know, you go from Elton John to Michael Jackson to yeah, um, whoever else. Yeah. T- you know, like characters, just tons. And you just, you're just like, how does he do that? And it's just magical to watch, but you're changing out of these jackets. Mm-hmm. And this guy, this other speaker, he's like, I tried to do it and I can't do it. Like with that flow. And you said, do you remember what you said? I don't remember this. You're like a million times. <laughs> And there was no laughing like what you're doing right now. It was like dead serious, like a million times. Yeah. And I had had like a 0.3 seconds to put jacket on. You guys get that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes have done the wig and the robe, but I do that off stage and I still struggle sometimes getting it over my suit jacket. You know, it's like putting on a robe over a blazer. They're not designed to do that. That's hard work. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I was transforming from a 1970s Elton John full, you know, fur jacket with a top hat and glasses. I had to transform from that 70s Elton John 
into the 1990s version of him with a different toupee, a different, <laughs> a different jacket, different glasses. And I had to do it in about, I'd say maybe about a six second transition of music. So I had to rip off that whole other costume and put on the other one and transform from 70s young Elton into 90s older Elton. And it, be, it became a thing that I became obsessed about yeah. and literally practiced every, every chance I got in terms of like, how can I get this faster? What can I eliminate? And, and even like the, I couldn't wear a watch on stage because it would catch. Right, right. I couldn't wear cufflinks, it would catch. So everything matters underneath in order to make it so that it works on top. And I guess that is another metaphor. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. I'm just like, you guys, you see, I just like plops them down here. But a couple of things you said that I really want to focus on. One, the obsession. Mm-hmm. Two, everything underneath has to work. Mm-hmm. And how you consistently in your life, there's the obsession with your work, the obsession with how are your kids doing? How am I taking care of my wife? Mm-hmm. I was really impressed that when you got hurt with your knee, that your mom came, which I was a little jealous that your mom <laughs> will come and take care of you. I want, I want a mommy that will take care of me. So if there's any mommies out there looking to take care of me when I have surgery next. Uh, <laughs> my mom is Florence Nightingale. Yeah, she's Truly. amazing. It was amazing that you still insisted that your wife have her girl retreat. Oh, yeah. And okay. some people would be like, no, it's about me now because I'm in pain, especially since it's a new experience. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, her, her, her time for her is important. Yeah, that was an interesting thing to have happen. I, I injured myself on July 14th. My kneecap was released from its connection to the shin bone and zipped up the top of my thigh. So it's <laughs> It's a patella tendon tear, like a full-on tear-off. And so Uh they had to rebuild the tendon and put the kneecap back together and sew it all up with wires. And so my leg had to be straight for almost two months. And uh, when it happened, my wife was at girls' camp in the mountains with your child. With my daughter. With my daughter and no cell phone or No cell phone. So she didn't know. I wasn't about to try to let her know because I knew she'd be worried. And she's up there with, you know, our daughter. And so I just. And she's a leader. So there was what? She's the 50, leader of 60 girls. Yeah. A bunch of girls. Yeah. A lot of people depending on her. So I was like, if my mom is here. We're good. So eventually she found out a couple of days later, came home, saw me in bed, like what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> and most people don't know this. She got home on a Saturday. She had a trip scheduled with our youngest son, Royal, who's 10, yeah. who had his 10 year old trip to go to San Diego with mom for a week. Most people don't know that happened too. But that was over the surgery. And so my wife was like, I can't leave and you're having surgery. And I said, mom, can you take care of me? My mom's like, that's easy. And I said, I don't want to deny my son and my wife of this once in a lifetime experience, just because I'm having a challenge. My mom will take care of me. Mm -hmm. Tammy, you need to go on this trip. Yeah. And uh, I even had people saying, why would Tammy leave? And I was like, why would she not? I think it's awesome. And I'm grateful I have a mom who could care for me during that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and allow for that to happen. It doesn't happen without my mom there. That's the point. Yeah. Which is why I'm lobbying subtly to be adopted. <laughs> um. And then the next week she went on her girl's trip, which yeah. she'd had planned for months. And people were like, wait a minute, why would she leave in the middle of your recovery? And I'm like, 
Why would she not? My mom is here. And so obviously we all need a strong the value of family yes, and connections family. and creating that, that you're there. Cause obviously your mom wouldn't do that if you were mean to your mom. <laughs> well, maybe, my mom maybe is, your mom. <laughs> my mom is a saint, obviously. <laughs> I, I think she was at our house for like five and a half weeks. Yeah. I think she left for maybe a couple hours. Well, I'm having day. a toe surgery coming up. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> got some chicken enchiladas in the freezer and <laughs> she can have all of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but you notice the, the intentional care from the career to the family, to the wife, the willingness to sacrifice, the willingness to be unselfish. And, you know, we hear so much about what, you know, our individual truth is, but all of us impact each other. Mm -hmm. There were, none of us are an Island. And as much as we want to like, just do what we want in the moment, you wouldn't have the family you have. You wouldn't have the career you have mm -hmm. because the career stuff, <laughs> like, you know, the whole, I get to be, have people clap for me for every hour on stage for 30 seconds of clapping. Well, Jason, five minutes, standing ovation, screaming, <laughs> tears, yeah. laughter. Uh, mine about 30 seconds, minute if I'm lucky. Stop. No, I'm just getting hard time. Anyway, he is, he is a rock star. Definitely look about. Um, but he doesn't do maturation programs. I tried to reel him in, but he was too busy. <laughs> Because I do all these maturation yeah. programs. Like, do you know a funny guy? I'm like, do I know a funny guy? But he's too in demand. But anyway, um, he there's all this intentionality. I going back to what I was saying about the speaking, mm. is for every you know minute of glory on the stage, mm. how many hours just to learn how to put the jacket on, how to book the gig, yeah. connecting with the meeting planner, how to set up the room, and a million other details. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, as you know. And you know, it's just like your your capacity to be able to look at somebody and know exactly what to do for their their contouring or their face and make them, you know, feel more beautiful than they felt. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's not just a gift, it's a skill you've cultivated. Well, there's there's in any profession, there's the skill and there's the art. Exactly. And you know, if we were to do a, a diagram, you know, I'd put heart and why you do it. Mm. Because if you can do something with skill, but you can't do it with care for others, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Then you're just in furthering shame. Oh, yeah. Because as a speaker, you get up there and you say, you know, my life's so amazing. I'm so blah, blah, blah. And you give your audience nothing to implement in their life. Mm. You just shame them. They're not as good as you. In the beauty industry, if I'm like, well, look how amazingly put together I am. And yep. you little slob, you can't figure it out every day. <laughs> What's wrong with you? No. Right. Or, you know, if you having wrinkles is a bad idea, there's always an introduction of shame that we can put into it. Fascinating. I love that. I haven't thought about it that way, but you know, I think that even as a speaker, when I first began, I was leading with, Hey, look how awesome I am. And I had to, that's shocking to me. No, I think I did because think about it. I came from an entertainment perspective of like, I, 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 me, 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 look at me mm -hmm. and I'm making you laugh. And so I'm telling you about, you know, all the funny stuff that I think to then going into being a speaker, which is all about you, you, we, we, they, they, you know, all of us. Uh huh. That's been a really interesting And I also transition. am going to say that I think Jason, cause I've seen him as both. Yeah. And I think you're being hard on yourself, but <laughs> That's um, probably true. Because we're going to back up a minute here because okay. I know part of your story. Um, you were invited to be, after years of grind, the, the cruise ships, mm -hmm. which is a grind. 
Oh, yeah. You know, um, I mean, yeah, you get a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay away from you the buffet. Stay away from the when buffet. you're on there for weeks at a time. You know, so, but, you know, <laughs> grinding out as an entertainer. And then you were offered the dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Las Vegas, man. That was the that was the dream. I I wanted to be a headliner there and have my own casino job, have my face on taxis, billboards, the whole deal. And I, uh, other people had signed big fat contracts down there, like hundred million dollar deals. And I I aspired to that. That was what really what I wanted because I thought this is where I need to land. This is what I want to be. And, you know, when you get offered that and, you know, an opportunity to be a casino headliner in your mid-20s, yeah, your dream's coming true early. <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes things just don't align with your values and the values of others. And, uh, and so Family Friendly won out over that opportunity for me. And their promise to their audience at that casino was, we're going to do what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Mm -hmm. But my, my promise to myself had always been what I perform on stage is for families. Right. Right. And that doesn't change no matter what you offer me. Well, and the truth is nothing we do stays. No, everything in our lives interacts. Everything in our life connects with ourselves, how we show up in one way, how we show up in another way mm -hmm. with everyone in our life. You know, we can't become toxic in our professional life and think everything's going to be hunky-dory at home. Right. You know? Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting when you see how somebody is living their message off stage. You know, if if the best of me is on stage, then that's really pathetic, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. I mean, as good as I am on stage, the people that know me off stage say that I'm better. And I find that really a nice compliment because I know people that are really good on stage and that's as good as they get. Mm -hmm. That's not good. I mean, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's, it, it, they're the world's worst person, but the, the incongruence from off stage it's to the, on stage. It's the art and the skill without the heart. You got it. That's a cool triangle. I like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I Jeez, talk about like shame. you've done this before. You know, <laughs> might have thrown out some of my content there. You know, still hire the speech. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you want someone really funny, you get Jason. You want someone who's pretty funny but yeah. has a good diagram. Jason has diagrams too. Dang it. Whatever. Yeah. No, I'm just teasing Jason. But um, <laughs> I wanted to focus in on Tammy in this moment because yeah. you've I've heard you tell this story in you know more spiritual setting. Mm. And Tammy's sitting in the car and you described the car as this broken down car. Tammy's his wife, by the way, um, or the really hot lady at Target, yeah, right? That's right? Sitting in the car and it's broken down. It's not a great car. Yeah. And when you came out of that meeting, having turned down the dream yeah. that she's also sacrificed for. Oh, yeah. Having to deal with those buffets on cruise ships. <laughs> Were well, you gone? Yeah, think about think about what she went through. I mean, especially when we met, which was at a singles ward, which is a uh, you know a place where adults meet for the first time and date and do that. I met her, and she was dating guys that were doctors. They had their own house, like they were wealthy already. They had been established. I was the first guy she ever dated that didn't have a job that was two years younger than her, 
that didn't go to college, that lived in his parents' basement working on, oh boy, hi everybody, uh, Mickey Mouse here. Hey, what do you think, mom? You know, like, <laughs> and, and putting so, on jackets for well. Jackets. Yeah. <laughs> and, and changing she, out two pays. She took every risk in the world to marry me. And her parents were like, what are you going to do for a living? And I was like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be an entertainer. I'm going to be on stage. And my wife believed that. Yeah. Believed in me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we suffered through the first few years in terms of her working full time as a stockbroker that most people don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. She's a very I met her accomplished when she woman. was pregnant with your oldest. Well, yeah, that's when we moved here. And, you know, she she kept us afloat for those first years while I was trying to figure out how do I make a living on stage and getting gigs here and there doesn't provide. Yeah. And she did. And mm -hmm. so she was really the breadwinner. She, she's obviously my muse. And when I got back in that little broken down kind of Subaru, after we drove to Vegas and we just turned the contract away, she just looked at me and she said, well, what are we going to do now? And I said, what do you think? She said, I think we need to go back to Utah and establish our home and our family. And I know you can make this work. Awesome. And so we began doing schools, corporate events places that wanted a G-rated family-friendly entertainer who also shared a little bit of positivity in there. Yeah, yeah. And it's a story of both of us. It's definitely not just me. And though you're not making hundreds of millions, <laughs> you know. It's a little different. I mean, you know, outside of <laughs> pandemics where they don't allow us to work as speakers, um, <laughs> you have made it. And you also... Um, so, you know, the whole pivoting thing that we did during the pandemic, there was a standard of how you pivot as a speaker. And you guys can't see this, but I have a gold sequin thing, backdrop, Beautiful. and a garnet yeah. drapery one. This was my pivoting. <laughs> that was awesome. it. Jason set a bar. He had this whole entire sound system, multi-camera shoot. <laughs> I'm like, you can get my selfie stick stabilized by books on... <laughs> my phone. And obviously you worked a lot more. You also had, um, you know, I, I have other streams of income and I yes, have a spouse. Yeah. And so I was like, I do not want to be a virtual speaker. Mm -hmm. And so if people brought some virtual work to me, you know, people wanted me to or their clients and I pivoted to honor those clients that I had, but I wasn't like, I'm going to go do this. And you, you were the standard of the whole entire national speaker association. People were talking about what Jason Hewlett was doing. And it's not like you wanted to be a virtual speaker either. None of us did. No, I thought it was an awful idea because <laughs> I'm really good in front of people. And with the reactions, just like you, yeah, I play off it. Yeah. And that it gives you energy. And then you're all of a sudden in front of a camera and it's like, I'm speaking to nobody. And you have to be super energetic. And then after you just lay on the floor going, <laughs> I hoped that worked. <laughs> Well, yeah, think about a stage performance. You get applause, laughs, tears, standing ovation. You come off stage. They're patting your back. The event planner's hugging you. They're signing you for new deals. You're able to converse and have a great time. This is the opposite experience after a yeah. virtual. You're speaking to a wall. No one's clapping. Can't tell if they're laughing. I'd ask them to open the chat just so I could read their minds. They're taking the phone with them to the bathroom <laughs> and you're right. speaking yeah, to yeah. the flushing of a bathroom uh, or somebody tinkling that you, happened on one you of You have been, you have been <laughs> a seasoned speaker by now, Lita. 
yeah. At you, least it wasn't a hot mic and I went to the bathroom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, I mean, when you're done, you're, you're literally, you're pressing leave meeting on Zoom. Yeah. And it's just dead silence. And, and you have to have some kind of fortitude to not just cry in the corner. And that is why being what you are and who you are, that's when the pedal hits the metal. Yeah. Right. Because if you're doing what you do just for the applause, though, that's fantastic because it feeds you and gives you that feedback. And the media planners looking around going, man, they love this guy. Let's hire him again. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get him on the list and other people in the audience hire you um, that you are doing it for why you're doing it. That fortitude yeah. is going to be huge. Yeah, it was. Uh, you have to be passionate, obviously, about what you're doing. You have to have more than just a goal. I think that's where the promise comes into play. You're not just going to stop when it gets tough. You're going to say, I made a promise. I'm going to finish this off and keep it. And that's what Jason did. I went, I will honor the contracts I have (laughs) and keep my head down. (laughs) Hey, but you know what? That's a huge thing. And and to be candid with you about your setup and all the thing that you're kind of poo-pooing for a second here as a joke between us, I mean... Honestly, I needed seven cameras to make it seem like what I was doing was really awesome. Mm-hmm. What's really special about what you do already what and what doing. I figured out was that words matter more. But you guys, to see what Jason just did, he like turns it around and give me a big compliment. That's super sweet, <laughs> but he always has the words. And you guys can see that from this because he, you, because you sincerely care about people. And you look at how to do that. So that was super flattering. And that's very nice. But um, when your, you know, your, your tech is all there, it does increase the experience for people virtually versus I put a lamp up behind my phone. Uh There, there is a difference in that. And, and it's fair for people to pay the difference for that. There's this, the skill of somebody who's like, I'm super charming. Mm -hmm. So I should be a speaker. And the difference between putting in years of working on your message and refining, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like, that joke, I spent three days working on. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, you're so off the cuff. And I'm like, no, no, I worked on that. And so though I can pull things from the file and they become second nature, Mm -hmm. I, what's the best way to tell this story? What's the best way? Who, where should I be? looking what should i be doing practicing for hours in front of my bathroom mirror Mm -hmm. you know and that is very different than just automatically showing up it's a refinement totally and anything we do in life and you're somebody that epitomizes this for me um and you know encouraging you guys to have mentors out there that are showing up in all aspects of their life Mm. i had a mentor in my life that um very valuable to me. I looked up to them and being vague, sure. you know, and they told me in order to go to the next level, that there was a lot of change happening that I would have to learn to be fake to get to that level. Oh my! And it struck me so hard that I started crying hmm. and that was embarrassing because they're a type A <laughs> <laughs> and last thing I'm married to a type A, mm. he'll let me cry on him, but most won't. Mm. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I started not just crying, but like snot coming oh, out no. of my nose and I'm sure they could hear it over the phone. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I've worked too hard on me. Oh, that's a great line. I've worked too hard on me 
to do that. Yeah. And so I did conceivably walk away from a lot of money, but it all goes back to that. You can look yourself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. You can look yourself in the mirror. You can look your wife in the eyes. You can with pride, tell your kids, this is what I'm saying. And the reward of being congruent is when my kids see me perform on stage, when your kids see you perform on stage, I've had things where, you know, we're all trying to be creative. Um, you know, right before COVID, I don't know if you remember, there was the school that was talking about having you and I, and oh, they yeah. wanted to have me in. Totally. And I was like, you also have to have Jason in because yeah. they were looking for local yep. people. And I was like, well, thank you very much. I am local, but you also need to have Jason. And he goes, well, I, I would be remiss if I didn't have my kids there. Mm. And I just, I love that because it was so much like I am doing nothing in my life that I can't do with everyone in my life. Uh, right. Awesome. Yeah. Even checking out a lady at Target. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share another story. Okay. So um, early in my career, when I'm really trying to analyze the art of speaking, there was, um, we were both sitting in the audience and the speaker saw that you were in the audience mm -hmm. and came down and they said, Jason, it would be so good. You know the story I'm telling? I don't know. Okay. They said, Jason, I, oh, would, it be, would it be all right if you took notes and gave me feedback on my performance? Mm. And I was like, can I get in on this? Cause I'm like, am I going to see the same things? Mm. Right. Cause I, I can learn right. through this free coaching that they had asked you to give them. Oh, okay. Right. Which I was like, wow, that's kind of bold. Yeah. You know? Um, but, and you said, of course, you might be more than happy to. And so you, you got your notepad out and they were like, awesome. And then after all the yays and the hurrahs and the speech was done and I have some notes and you had notes. Um, they came down and said, so what'd you think? And you gave them a compliment and they're feeling pretty good about that. And then you went into some feedback mm -hmm. and they put their hand up and they said, no, no, no. Just tell me how good I was. Uh, yeah. I don't remember that. But, <laughs> oh my God. And then you put the notebook oh. in, you know, under your arm. Yeah. And I could see from where I was standing that there were pages of notes. Yeah. And you gave them a couple more compliments and they walked away very happy. And I thought to myself, <laughs> one, I just got cheated out of, you know, learning some critique. Cause now I don't know where my notes mm. of where I was going to go with things. Um, but so often we just want to be validated yeah. and we miss the gems of the trial, right? The gems of what's the lesson, the gem of the hard work. Mm. And this individual, I think, could have done so much more with their career mm. had they been willing to get some feedback. Yeah. And that's that's a very interesting story because that's happened a lot, to be honest. It's really it's really hard. <laughs> How many people just would love <laughs> I to have a lot of opinion. people asking for that. And so here's what that those notes were. I can guarantee you I probably had four or five technicalities that would have helped on maybe their PowerPoint mm -hmm. or things that were very simple fixes. And then I bet you I had pages of notes that were, here's, here's a line that you could use in the future. Like Gold. I pretty much rewrote the speech in terms of you said this well, if you just said it like this word here instead, this yeah. would make it punch. This would make it funny. This would make it bright. This would make them have more emotion. Right. I, I pretty, I, I guarantee you, I didn't sit and rip their speech Which, apart. How much do people pay you? That would be, yeah, that would be 
you know, $10,000 for me to do. So $10,000, $10,000 sitting, sitting in a notebook somewhere. Right. <laughs> I don't even know who it was or where it was. And I won't it's say. It's too bad. Yeah. But that's just, but I, I'm happy to do that for somebody. And I can watch a speaker and say, oh, because honestly, I'm the world's biggest cheerleader. That's what I, I'm, I'm like a professional encourager. Because I feel that I have courage enough to step up there and I'm going to encourage you to yeah, do yours. Yeah. And the audience wants people to do well when they're taking the platform. Exactly. People think I'm so scared to speak. And I'm like, no, just know that everyone in that audience pretty much doesn't want to be up there and they want you to succeed. They, they don't want to for you. They don't, if they're, especially if they're in the middle. Yes. They can't get out. They don't want, they don't want to watch a train wreck. Come on, man. And so I, I would be writing how they could transition into something cleaner and better so that it will work for the next time. And, um, you know, the goal is to help not just have people come up after and ask questions, but that they've received the answers for themselves within right. your speech. And if that leads to a standing ovation or more opportunity in the future, that's what you want to help them. That's create. the gravy. But I always tell people you're not a good speaker. And then I'll say, let me just tell you, I tell this to everyone. So mm -hmm. like to soften the blow of what is coming next. <laughs> Until people are willing to pay you. Mm. Oh, right on. You know, because my, right. my first speech, knowing I was to be a professional speaker, even though I had done a lot of things mm -hmm. through my job and my work. Very being successful. In front, being in front of people. But yeah. my first time as an intentional, I'm going to be a professional speaker because God said so and I can't get out of it now. <laughs> um, somebody in that audience hired me. Uh, and so I got kind of a, an easy leg up, but I still did all the free stuff. No, you had 10,000 hours before that happened. You may not um, remember maybe that. Maybe like 8,500. I did a speech and for, it, was, it was my first TEDx talk. Wow. And, you know, super intimidated. Whoa, and it was back when it was like, like super rare to have yeah. someone do a TEDx talk. It was 2011, I think. Wow, I'd only been early. speaking for a year and a half. Yeah. And I don't know why this was, but everyone in the audience afterwards was coming up and telling me what I could have done better. Oh my. And so I was like, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Did I do that? <laughs> and then one person came up and I have this part where I said, you know, that your heart and your head and I did your heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, I touched mm -hmm. the head and then I touched the heart and they said, it'd be so much stronger. No, I think I touched them together. Mm -hmm. And they said, I think it would be stronger if you said you touched them one at a time to mm -hmm. give your audience time to follow you and what you're saying. And I was like, oh, that's good feedback. And I did get, mm -hmm. you know, 20 insults. Right. Um, and I got the three gems out of all that critique. I shouldn't say insults, but out of the people coming up to let me know how much better speaker they were. Yeah. Um, Brutal. I did get three, you uh, know, three good gems. And one of those was Ty Bennett, mm, who is a, he's you know, a masterful he, storyteller. He very much so written like four books and he's, yeah. he's a machine. Yes. You know, and he'll be like two minutes in, I'm doing this. And I'm like, that is not my speaking style, <laughs> uh -huh. you know? Yeah. And I'm guessing not yours as well, no. but, but I learned, and if I had discounted that, that would have been a moment where I could have lost something great. And awesome. so we have to always be willing to sort through the poop. Yeah. And I know you have stories, big, mm -hmm. huge moments in your speaking career. Mm -hmm. And you've taken that feedback, even at the level you are and were at the time this happened. And it was brutal because I saw it. Yeah. 
um, that all these speakers wanted to let you know how much better of a speaker they were mm-hmm. and just basically ripped you apart. And that's why I love what you said, because that's what made me think of this, that you as a speaker and as a person are a professional cheerleader, yeah. cheerleading your community. Um, I happen to know that when um, our community was doing Boy Scouts, you almost single-handedly <laughs> funded it. Mm. And I know you don't want that out there, but <laughs> my husband was on the Boy Scout. My husband oh, was yeah. the Boy Scout committee and and Cubs, and you put your effort into what's important. And that is why you're a mentor of mine, because mm. you were honest, mm. because you follow God, you honor your family and your wife. And this other mentor of mine, though I wish them the best, I realized that I had violated that rule, mm. that I was following something, somebody who had a lot of professional success, mm. but they did not have the life that I wanted. And so when those things came in collision, there became conflict in our relationship because they wanted something for me that was very different than what I wanted holistically for me. And so when we are creating mentors in your life, find people that are not just on Instagram showing you a fabulous life, you know, which is why I show pictures of me without makeup on and, you know, um, my sleep apnea machine just to keep it real because I'm so good looking. You are <laughs> you know, so, I'm, I'm a normal woman, so I get you're away a with goddess. It. Yes, well, goddess second in tertiary to Tammy, but yes, you know, <laughs> um, and every woman is a goddess. But right. um, that 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 mentor in your life is congruent in all aspects of their life, and you cannot have that without some secondary witnesses of who that person really is. You're not going to get that idea by seeing them simply on social media. Mm. You need to have mentors that may not be Insta-famous, may not have a viral post, you happen to, but you're that mentor to me because of the professional, but first because of how you put your family. Mm. First, because of how you put your wife and how you're dedicated to the community of our faith Mm. and our neighborhood. Mm. Well, geez, this is amazing. Am I gonna get this recorded? (laughs) Yes, you are. And, and transcribed and by the printed way, this on the wall. recorded the whole time. So it's, it's going out. You're, very, you know? you're so sweet. Now, here's what I would say to that. I too have had those as my mentors, those that perhaps aren't worldly famous, but are mm-hmm. the, you know, the secret heroes in the neighborhood. Yep. And they live among you. You have yes. to just find them. Most of the time, they're not highly celebrated. They might even be kind of crazy to their own family. Like (laughs) their own family, their own children might be like, what do you see in my dad or my mom that would make them your mentor? Mm -hmm. And because it's a third party and you see something in them their child can't see, it's an interesting relationship. I had a guy named Chris Polis. 91 years old he passed away this last christmas day actually oh my dearest dearest mentor of my whole life uh you know outside of my parents and my wife and my children now but chris polis i met him in his 70s i was in my 20s he was like yoda and uh he hadn't done what i wanted to do but he knew how to help me establish the philosophy that became the promise Mm, awesome yeah and he sat me down on his couch and we talked I mean I was 21 years old saying I want to be a Las Vegas entertainer and we were in Provo Utah and he's like well let's talk about what would happen if this kind of opportunity comes along what would you do if it's Mm. different from your values he taught me that before it happened as if he knew it was going to you know what a gift he didn't know I was going to get 
all these opportunities. But he just said, let's establish the philosophy as to why you're doing this. You wow. Know? So that's an interesting emotional, intellectual ex- exercise to go, what is what is the breaking point? That's exactly right? what it was. And we sat yeah. there and he's like, What's this my price genius tag? philosopher that was would just sit there and his wife was like, from the kitchen, his wife's like, what are you saying, Chris? You know, and he's <laughs> like, I'm giving him some ideas, you know, like, and, and yet these guys, they become for us like, you know, our, our lights on our hill. And, and they're, they're the people that see in us what we can't see. And they help us to establish the North Star even though we know we've got God and our Savior and all of the, the things up there, it's nice to have the people in front of yeah. us. Yeah. Well, mine mine is, my Chris Polis is Rita DeBry. Yeah. And oh, she wow. brought me into her home at, when I was eight and she has seven kids. She had her hands full mm. and yet became a mentor. And I decorate like her. Mm-hmm. I cook like her. I have a great chocolate chip recipe from her. And more importantly, I married someone like her husband. Sorry, that makes me, that makes me cry, but yeah, he died not too long ago. It's been like three years and I still cry about it, (laughs) but um, she saved me. Really? And so I think I I kind of was hitting that part about mentors because I want the audience, you know, we're so dependent on social media Mm. and fame. And here's two people who have influencers, um, you know, we have a, you know, um, a moderate amount of influence mm-hmm. in what we do and people grant us maybe more influence as speakers than maybe we, you know, all speakers deserve. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes people are just like, you're amazing. And I'm like, don't let it go to your head, Lita. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like stay grounded. Um, people give us a fair amount of trust because of the openness of our lives and what we do professionally. But there are people that are those gems, the Chris Polises, the Rita DeBry. And I hope that like you, Jason, that because I know you have been a, a sweet influence to my son, that I can be someone that outside of anything I'm doing professionally can still be that quiet mentor, that that good person that is making an impact in the world. So that's that's the invitation to the listeners in this episode. And Rita, what a deal. Yeah. You know, now that I think about it. When I married Tammy, I was, it was because of Gail, Chris's wife. And I was like, oh, she's a rock. I want someone like that. Someone that doesn't waver. Someone that's not worried that her husband's going to go off and do all these crazy things. She's always going to be there. She was the one that the children were like, why aren't you listening to our mom? And I was like, your dad, I'm listening to your dad. But I was watching the mother and saying, and then I met Tammy. Yeah, which shows that even at a subconscious level. That's right that anyone we choose to follow that's right. is imprinting us exactly you know and for our kids get them off the cell phones <laughs> that's right. you know yeah. so thank you so much to you listeners and thank you jason my <laughs> friend my mentor um and neighbor you know neighbor yeah you're my neighbor won't you be my neighbor okay thank you so much for being on this episode of Share Your Hotness with Lita Green and my guest, Jason Buell. The Share Your Hotness podcast is produced by Van Garrett Media. Lita Green is the host and creator of the podcast. Chris Van Garrett is the editor, producer, and music director. Shayla Dawn is our research coordinator. Join us next week for another episode of the Share Your Hotness podcast.
Thanks for listening. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.